even if you don't make a sale, if you can grow your list when you're at these events and you're going to learn, oh, that's my customer. That's not my customer. This worked. This didn't work. But I know that what you've said is if you're in person with people, you could probably make sales. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Snyder, and this is the Product Boss Podcast. I've helped launch and grow thousands of product-based businesses, even one of my own. And over the last 20 years, I've seen behind the scenes of businesses just like yours. Whether they are makers, manufacturers, artists, or food and beverage businesses, I have spent so many hours studying it all. I've discovered what makes them successful. What are mistakes they could avoid? How did they turn an idea into successful business? And what are strategies they have used to make more sales and be discovered by more customers? This is what this show is all about. Whether you're just starting out or you're looking to become a million dollar product boss, I'm here to give you the permission to chase your dreams, no matter how big or small. All you need is the right mindset, a little courage, strategy, and support, and you too can be the next million dollar product boss. Let's do this. You know it, we know it. Next year is creeping up really quick. And if you want to make business boom in 2024, you need tech that puts you in the pilot seat. The new HubSpot sales hub will help you close out the year strong and kickstart your success for 2024. Teams can collaborate on every inch of the customer journey and keep operations running smoothly with a comprehensive prospecting workspace and powerful sales analytics tools that keep data connected across teams. Speed up your workflows and navigate your platform with ease with the AI-powered conversational platform, ChatSpot, and use AI Assistant to write copy, generate emails, outline posts, and more. They'll help you whip up assets and execute tasks that used to take hours out of your workday. HubSpot Sales Hub lets you accelerate every facet of your sales operation with precision and with over 1,400 integrations, there are tons of ways to mix in new features. So finish out Q4 strong and gear up for the new year with HubSpot Sales Hub. Learn more at hubspot.com sales. Hey there, product bosses. We're back with another behind the scenes coaching call. This week, you'll hear from Tisha Carter, owner of Jack's Carter Designs. She sells one of a kind handmade jewelry, and she's looking to grow her business without losing what makes it unique. Let's get into it. I see that you said your business is doing well when it comes to, it sounds like publications and runway. Yeah. So I've, I've done um, a show for Miami Swim Week, and then I have a show coming up um, in next month for New York Fashion Week. Amazing. Um, yeah. And then I've had like a local, I've been in a local publication called The Voyage of Baltimore, and then another um, digital publication called Canvas Rebel, and then a couple of um, European um, like versions of like Harper's Bazaar and Vogue, like the British versions of those magazines. How are you getting those? Originally, folks reached out to me. So uh, basically, it's paid advertisement. Okay. Um, You're paying for the placement. Yeah. So those have been paid advertisements. I am in a PR showroom for a store in New York called Flying Solo which has like a monthly membership fee. So I've gotten into publications just from them kind of borrowing my pieces and using them in model styling for whatever projects they may be working on. Okay, so how much are you paying them? 250 a month. 
Okay. And are you seeing a return on your investment from the things that you're doing right now? I'm not. Okay. Yeah. So the, the shows like Miami, some show or New York Fashion Week, like to be a part of those events, how much are those costing you? They were 1400 each. Mm-hmm. Okay. Doing a lot right there. She's getting a lot of attention, trying a lot of different things, but that attention just isn't translating into sales. So sounds like you're doing well when it comes to magazine placements, but you're paying for those. So right now they're actually a cost. So while you're getting the placements, it's costing you, but it's not necessarily having a return on the investment. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And then it sounds like you said that you made a little over $700 at an in-person event. Right now you're averaging one sale per month and you get a lot of likes and comments about your brand, but no one is following through on buying. And you worked with the company for six months, spending $5.50 a month on marketing through Google and meta ads with no conversion. So it sounds like you, and I love what you're doing here. So it sounds like you're doing a lot with the front facing, pushing and getting in front of the right people. What's happening is you're not having a conversion. Like it's not having a return on the investment you're putting in. Right. And so that's starting to get kind of discouraging and yeah. you're like, okay, why am I even doing this anymore? I could, I could understand that. And I'm proud of you because I mean, you're doing things the way that I did them when I was starting out too. And even thinking about it, like pre-social media and when you're in fashion and you have that like fashion bug to you, like I, I paid, I think it was like $2,000 a month for a similar thing that you have as style house and like stylists would come and they would pull my accessories and they'd put them in photo shoots. That's how I had Carrie Underwood wearing my cuffs on like the country music awards and on, Mm -hmm. um, it was like published in all the magazines. And then she knew that we were so excited about that, that she wore it in a music video. So for me and the story I get to tell, it's really exciting, but I had the exact same thing as you. I had zero ROI on that. So a lot of it, I think what you're doing right now is you're building the brand and you're building credibility around the brand, which is I think important when it comes to fashion and trend and like, not just jewelry for jewelry, but trendy jewelry or things that you want to like get out right. there in front of tastemakers. But it's like, you're right to, you are tired of it and you should be tired of it. Cause at this point we have some of that like clout now. And I think now mm-hmm. is the time to be like, okay, now what do I need to do to actually make money back on this business? Right. Right. And I'm starting to run out of money to put into it. So yes. I'm like, <laughs> You are not a bottomless pit of money. That's so weird. (laughs) We're going to work on getting consistent sales, continuing to market, but in a way that's profitable and sustainable, turning visitors into buyers and all of that without compromising on her unique selling point. I know we want to go jump straight to converting visitors to buyers and how to get really what we're talking about is how do we make money off this business? You're putting in the money. How do we make money? So first, let me ask you, what would be, if we could change your business in the next six months, what would be a revenue goal that you would like to be making per month in your business? I would like to, if I could bring in, I would say at least 5,000 a month. Okay. And is that something that you think you can, do you have enough product to turn it on and do it next month? Or is it something that we want to work towards? No, I have enough product to be able to push out. Um, I think the thing that I kind of get stuck with is that I I fear like, do I offer too much? And then that's what's turning people off. Um, Is it the fact that like a lot of the pieces I have, I really just only have one. Or if I have more than one, it's only like at the most five. Like I just, 
like the price point that I have, I feel like I have enough product to be able to make that. Um, and just, you know, I'm stuck. So would you mind if we got a little bit more realistic with it? Let's work towards 5,000 a month. But I think in 30 days, it, there's going to be a lot that would have to happen to make $5,000. So I'm going to step this all the way back and I'm going to ask you what your average order value is. So it looks like if you're making on average $278 a month, what is your average order value? The average order value is about $85. $85? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you sell like... You could, because I think in two places, one place you said you get one or one sale per month. And then, but then if the average is 278, so is that just because it's averaged over everything? Yeah, it's averaged over, yeah, it's averaged over everything I made. Cause I, I get, I, I'm getting really less than one sale a month, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, we got to change that. All so right. I had, you know, some high months and then I had some low months. So it kind of averages to one sale a month, but. Like literally every month, I'm not getting a sale. Okay. So you, you're putting a lot of money out, not getting really any money in and all the efforts you're putting out there. So um, one of my first recommendations will be, let's stop spending money on these really big events. They're not conversion events. They are brand building events. So they're the thing where you've gotten the photos. You're getting the street cred. I'm at New York Fashion Week. I'm at Miami Swim Week. We're doing all that. And you've done it and you've spent the money and that's, it is what it is. But at this point, and being a person that had an accessories company just like you, and I spent thousands and thousands of dollars on the exact same things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I also saw after a year of doing it and probably spending closer to $40,000 for a year, I had zero return on it. So I have all the success. I can say Kim Kardashian wore my cuffs. I can say Carrie Underwood and everyone else. So it gives me clout, mm-hmm. but they didn't buy it from me and they didn't cause anyone to buy it. Like they didn't make anyone buy anything from right. me. Right. So you have the clout. We can come back to this. So if you start to make money again and your $5,000 a month turns into $8,000 a month, turns into $20,000, $30,000 a month, then we can see if you have a budget to build back in a style house or like PR placement. But the cool thing is, is you have a lot of that now and now it'll be about a different way of marketing and more specifically to customers that are looking to purchase the the place that you told me that you made the most money was an in-person market Mm -hmm. because people go to markets with their wallets out and they they're going because they're like, this is a shopping event. I am going to see if I find anything that I want and see if I want to buy it. Brand building is great. It can be a fantastic way to build a business, but it's also expensive and it can be hard to see a direct return on investment. When you're starting out and you're trying to keep your business afloat, you need to focus on finding the right customers and getting your product in front of them. So I want to first talk about who your ideal customer is. Who do you think your ideal customer is? So my ideal customer is... A woman who's between 30 and 65, she likes to travel. Um, she's into um, style and fashion. She's into like artistic and eclectic things, not stuck to tradition or traditional. And that's like really one based off of like who my current co- customers have been. And then basically who I have built my brand for. Okay. That's fantastic. 
So looking at your website and looking at the women that you have pictured wearing your products, they do reflect that kind of they're artistic and eclectic. Looks like they like to wear big statement pieces and statement jewelry. They want to be seen and they're looking for interesting things that are not as typical and they want to be seen. Now, I think you have so much of this correct. The one thing I'm going to push back on is the age range of 30 to 65. Okay. So I would love for us now, while a woman who is 65 can buy your jewelry and a woman who is 30 can buy your jewelry. Mm-hmm. If we're selling to all of these women, we're selling to none of these women. Okay. So looking at, I'm going to share my screen so you can see your okay. own Instagram page. Cause this is how you're coming off in the world, right? Like this is what you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. So is there a woman in your grid that could be your inspiration that we can say she is, we'll give her an age, we'll give her a name, the ideal customer, and then everyone else will still buy, but we're talking to one of these women. We're not talking to all of these women. Is there someone yeah, here? Definitely. Mm-hmm. definitely. I know there's one person you'll probably see in a couple of like reels and stuff. One that has on the Pac-Man shirt and then she has on like the sun shades with the pink. The sun? Bathing suit, yeah. So that's Ayana. Okay. And how old, how old is Ayana? She's in her mid-30s. And she is actually, she's a teacher during the school year. During the summer, she's a realtor. Um, She's working towards trying to be a fashion model. Um, So she is into fashion and accessories. She loves, like, makeup and stuff like that. So, And I've met her in person, so I know Ayana, you know, as a person. So this is honestly the dream. If you can find your ideal customer and they actually exist, you can get so much more specific information than you'd been able to come up with on your own. Let's walk through what that looks like. Okay. Love it. So if I go to her Instagram, so so what's cool about this is you have now found an ideal customer that it actually exists right? She's an, she's an influencer that exists out there. She, you actually have a story built around her. So if you didn't know who she was, or you didn't have a real person, we could have created a story. I'm not sure. I mean, this is like really amazing. She's a teacher during the year. She's also like in real estate. She wants to be a fashion model. So if we go to her Instagram, it says that she's a real estate agent and educator. So she's saying everything that you are. And what's cool is then we can scroll and look at her feed and actually get to know her even more, right? So what face products is she using? Um, Where is she vacationing? What is she doing? So she lives in Miami. So obviously she's at the beach. She wears a lot of bright colors. She wears sunglasses. Her life is probably a little bit more like she doesn't live in the cold winters. It seems like she's kind of living that like sun life. She likes high heels. So we actually have a lot of visuals that we can be inspired by if she's your muse mm-hmm. for right now. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at her. Let's, can we make her 35 sure. or how old do you want to make her? Yeah, we can say 35. I think she's probably like around 35 to 38. Okay. Does she have kids? No, she does not have children. She is a dog mom. Okay. So I want to back this up because we're talking about a real person versus a, a not like a fictional ideal avatar. So do you want your customer to have, like your ideal customer, do we want to add kids in or do we like the fact that she's still, she's able to buy what she wants for herself? 
I like the fact that she's able to buy what she wants for herself. And okay. honestly, like a lot of the customers that I have currently, they either do not have children or they have adult children that are out of the house. Okay. So they're like able to do for themselves. They're enjoying life. They're living life for themselves. Okay. I love this. All right. Great. So that's really good to know. So she's a dog mom or, and she's, but she's picking what's best and what she wants to do. She's living her life. Like you said, um, and she's doing for herself. And so that starts to really hone in on like, who are we speaking to? So she has a bit more money because she, I mean, she's a realtor and a teacher. So teachers, unfortunately, don't get paid as much as we'd love them to that they deserve. But realtors can make a lot of money. And she has disposable income, right, that she can spend on herself or her dog or trips or whatever she wants. And this does make a lot of sense for a woman then who's in her 50s to 60s, who also, like you said, probably has adult children. And it's a rediscovery of self. So kids leave, they're out of like mom mode or they're older. And it's like, who am I? What am I? So I don't want us to go for her yet. She's a, she's a variation on the types of customers we're attracting. So Yana is going to be our person. She likes to be seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even Juanita, who's actually in the first picture with the black, with the red background, similar type of thing. She's married, but she doesn't have any children. She's from the islands. So she likes to party and um, travel and have fun. She's a model as well. So she's kind of that vibrant, vivacious kind of personality as well. I love this. You have real people that we can look to. You have found muses or people so you have a very clear idea and if they're attracted to it then it starts to tell there's more people in the world that are going to be attracted to it the same way so if you need a visual i would recommend that you do this like a vision board and print out photos of if you want to make juanita and iana one person you want to give her a different name right like maybe you want to make her fictional or she can be real and and I'll send this to you later, but I'll send you this sort of like ideal customer worksheet where you can really dig into what does she like, what does she not like. So here's a picture of her using pattern, right? Like Tracy Ellis Ross's um, hair hair product. Mm-hmm. So for example, it might be like, she buys this. She shops at Sephora. Like if you were to open her makeup drawer, this is what would be in it, right? Even to the point of like the colors of the makeup. You'll never see her wear neutrals, right? Like, unless she's going on a safari, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like you could pick, right? you, you can pick what you want to say about her. Like she's always going to stand out, right? We have, there's pictures of her hiking and she's in neon yellow leggings. So in contrast, she's not wearing REI, right? She's, you're going to see her no matter where she is because she wants to be seen. She likes to be seen. So all of this really starts to cue into then for you when you are going to attract the right customer and you are going to market to the right customer, it's also going to help you with the choices you make when you do a photo shoot, right? The visuals, who you're speaking to, how you're speaking about your product. So it's like, you know, for you ladies out there that want to be seen, you know who you are, you know, like when you want to be seen or you know, do this for yourself or, or so the messaging and we'll get clear on the messaging. And then when I look at your grid, your grid makes me feel seen 
if I am your ideal customer where I'm like, yes, she wants to be seen. Yes, she likes to stand out, right? So then the things that you incorporate are going to be for like the women who want to be seen and they want to stand out that are not going to blend in with the background. Right. You see how knowing your ideal customer can inform every other decision you make in your business? When you're setting up a photo shoot, what would your ideal customer like to see? What do they need to see? When you're writing copy for your website, what would your ideal customer want to hear? This is not a pointless exercise. When done right, your ideal customer avatar can unlock a world of possibilities. So I think that's your who. So I think we've gotten kind of clear on her and we can keep digging in who she she is. But what I also like about the 35-year-old no kids is she's got disposable income. So when you say your stuff is $80, but you're telling me that a European country wants to sell it for $220 US dollars. There could be something there too. Like we'll look at your pricing because sometimes when you're underpriced, you're actually not attracting the right customer. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I'm not saying to raise the price and your price might be perfect, but we're going to need to do some like market research and see where would your, if if a department store were to come by, if they were going to put you in their store, which department store would you think you fit into? Yeah, definitely would be more of a Nordstrom's. Nordstrom's. Okay. So let's go to Nordstrom's. This is something you can do for market research. So we're going to go and we're going to look at jewelry at Nordstrom's. You can see my my computer. And what's your bestseller? It's earrings? Yes. Oh, earrings. Okay. So I do think that maybe you are priced so pretty close to being correct. So just to answer your question about Europe. If they think that they can sell them for $220, let them do it because it's an import. So if they're one of a kind or they're importing, if they want to sell it at that, let them sell it okay. at that. But maybe if they want to sell it for $220, then you should sell it to them for like $100, $110. Okay. Um, because you're also, and they also are supposed to pay for their shipping to get it to Europe. So you don't pay for that. And they pay right. for like the taxes and duties of import. So if they want to try it at 220, don't keep them limited. It's like they're grabbing something from the States that's special, that's one of a kind, and they're going to sell it for whatever they think their customers are mm-hmm. going to buy that. But you don't have to change okay. your business for that. Okay. 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 So from a market research point, just looking at Nordstrom's, cool. So similar prices, 75 80 I think under $100. Okay. Just like knowing your ideal customer, understanding where they shop, and what else they might buy can help give you clarity around your business. You're not looking to copy, but to see what ways you can differentiate yourself in a meaningful way. So we're kind of understanding our our competition or the market, not our competition, but what the market looks like. That's kind of, for me, validating your price point. We're understanding who she is and what she wants to spend on. And then let me ask you, because you said this in your intake form, and I want to ask, how can you sell more and do stuff if you're only like one of a kind or like one-offs of certain things? And so my question is, is why don't you want to have more than one or two or three pieces of each product? Um, Because I want people to feel like they have something that's theirs. Like, I don't want them to feel like, oh, I just got these earrings from Loft and now I'm going to go to work. All 10 people in my office have these earrings that I got from Ann Taylor Law. Like a lot of the feedback that I've gotten is that people like the fact that they have the only one or they have one of a of a few. Like they don't want the cookie cutter, you know, I can go get this from anywhere and someone else can have them. Now, there are some people that 
they like something and then they ask, do I have another one? And the answer is no. Or I can make a variation of what someone else has. But it's more of people feeling like they have something of their own. Okay. And could I argue that as a small business and the reach that you have, even if you had 20 to 50 that only 20 to 50 people in the world would have it and they would still have one of their own. That's true. That is true. That is true. Okay. Even a hundred. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go a little higher with the number. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Because already as a small business, you're not an Ann Taylor loft. You're not a target. No matter what you do, even Alexis Batar, which I brought up with you has mm-hmm. been around since, I mean, I'm going to say probably close to 20 years, if not more. And I don't know that you've ever heard about the brand. No, I haven't. And I've been a fan. Like I bought jewelry from Alexis Batar when I used to do the um, accessory shows, like where I was selling wholesale. I remember they had a booth there and I was able to like make up my own order. I was walking around as a shopper instead. And they're like, yeah, you can place a personal order. And then I remember finding it in a store in Canada in a jewelry boutique. And then when I lived in LA, they had a brick and mortar, which I would go into. Like I said, whenever I had my my husband, like that's where he needed to go buy me presents. I have moved out of that phase, but Mm -hmm. I followed them and I knew Michelle Obama wore it. I knew, I know all of it. Right. Right, So, but I can't tell you that other company, there's a lot of companies I don't know about. So there are enough people Mm -hmm. in the world that can become like me, like a raving fan of a brand and the majority of the world will have never heard of them. Right. That makes sense. So what's happening is you're stifling your growth, thinking that people want to feel special only having one piece. Now they can, but you need to raise your prices. Like then they, it should be really expensive. Like Mm-hmm. you would position yourself more like an artist that has like this beautiful crafted piece that took you a while. And there's a story and they spend the money on it versus the price point is that like a mass manufacturing price point, but the way you want them to experience it is different. And it, there's a disconnect and mm-hmm. it's really just hurting your business. It's it's no one else cares. Right. So, and I say that because, Yes, it's a selling point when you get in front of them or you say it, but on your website, it's not clear to me that I can only get one. They're just earrings on a website and there's a lot of them. So it already feels like there's a mass amount of earrings versus me feeling like, let's just say you came out with a collection of 10. There were 10 pieces, 10, whatever. Then it's like, I got to pay attention to when you're talking and I need to pay attention to when you're selling because you're dropping it. I have to buy it and then they disappear forever. And it's like, feels curated and more exclusive exclusive Mm -hmm. that makes sense which you still can do when you feel like it but i am curious if you would be open to make five thousand dollars a month to talking about how to grow a small business with more of a um inventory i mean i'm definitely open like that's why i'm here like i need help (laughs) you're good (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm open to it. I'm, I'm definitely open to it. I mean, I guess the biggest thing for me is just that I don't like I don't want to become like one of the overseas manufacturing type companies. Like I want to keep it local and be able to still say that it's handmade, like that type of thing. So and that can 100 percent happen if you don't ever want to take it overseas. You don't ever have to take it overseas. 
You can employ people. It does not have to be your own two hands that are making the jewelry. Mm-hmm. I want you to believe in the possibility that you can build a business however you want to build the business. The thing that we need to keep in mind, one, when you sell, a, when you have a thousand of a SKU and you're selling through them or, you know, whatever the number is, it gets cheaper to produce product the more you have. Your raw goods are cheaper because you can buy in bulk when you're setting up like a, a production line, let's say, and someone's making the same bracelet, let's say you, you said your wrap bracelets do really well. So, um, and they're beautiful. So it's a wrap bracelet, the Ode to Paris, and it has a um, Eiffel Tower on it, right? So the person that's doing that is doing the same bracelet beading. Like they're like, okay, white, blue, blue, white, blue, blue, mm-hmm. Eiffel Tower. It's easier for someone to move through that process quickly, do it, and then get the next one. Do it, and then right. get the next one. And so that's how your labor costs go down. That's how your raw goods costs go down. And so it's it's all possible. And you can imagine that you have a team, and like a warehouse, or there are other moms out there that you that pick up bags of one person's doing the blue bracelet, one person's doing the red bracelet. They come, they pick it up, they give it to you by the end of the week. So there's like a lot of possibility where it doesn't have to go overseas, but the possibility I want for you is to choose what's best for you and your family and your business, not Mm -hmm. thinking that people care as much about some of the stuff you're saying. Yeah, I think that's my problem. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, this would be, this would be my differentiator. Mm -hmm. But I think already you are the differentiator, you as a business owner, as as a human, I think that your design aesthetic is already a differentiator. There's so much about it. That's, and even the way, you know, the models and the influencer, influencers you're working with, like all of that's already differentiating you. Now we need you to be known for something. Right. And then I could say, oh my gosh, my friend Taisha, she likes, she makes these really cool. You're, oh, you're going to, I don't know. You're going on a trip somewhere and, oh, you're going to Italy and you're bringing all your farm Rio clothes you would love Jax Carter designs. Like they match them so well, right? Then I can, you're a referable company. Right. So for this collection, it sounds like to me, the one coming up, it's like the idea of charms, which is cool Mm -hmm. or, or dangly, but not sure Mm -hmm. if this is the one that's going to be, because it's so bright colored where we're moving into. I'm not sure if it's that one or if it's going to be more like aligned with this. Yeah, the more neutrals. Yeah. The thing that I see is missing though, is that you need to give, you have to have more statement earrings to go with whatever's happening here because individually these are pretty, but they may want more of a statement. So what does Ayana and Juanita want? What would they wear? And then when you're creating your designs, you're doing it for them. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Not them, the actual humans. But yeah, yeah, but the just persona. the persona. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep, I got you. Okay. <laughs> no, no, the persona. <laughs> yeah. And so then you can make your decisions on like, is this the right thing? Is that too dainty, right? Is that too small? Is that too like, mm-hmm. it'll just blend in with our hair and look like everybody else's versus some of the pictures right. you have. Mm-hmm. And so the more you can do big and statement, and they're they're of position, those are the ones that are going to sell. So it's not making short ones and dainty ones and all the other things, at least not while you're positioning yourself. Right. And I noticed that the, I mean, a lot of people, and a lot of people don't gravitate to the small dainty ones. They like the, the bold, 
bigger yeah. ones. I mean, especially like with Juanita because she has big hair. So it's small things he wants would get lost on but her. That's, but that's why she shops with you, right? That's why right. that's exactly why we're doing this thing that like, you know, if somebody sees a store and they're like, yes or no, immediately. Yes or no, immediately, right? Those shoes, some people will be like, those are the most ugly shoes I've ever seen. And I'm like, how can I go out and buy those right away? Right, right, right. That's definitely a store I would be like, I need to go in there and see what they have. Yeah. And look at their tile, you know, so they're white, but then like the, the mm-hmm. color is represented in their product. Like this, I think they have a store now. Yeah. In Venice, this is their store. <laughs> you're like, one, you're like, what is that? You know, and then right. it's all white. And obviously this is like their Venice, this is their LA store. So it's a little more like mm-hmm. she, she versus whatever that other one is mm-hmm. because they're, they're talking about where their customers and they're thinking about it. But you know, this must be in New York. Yeah. This is in Soho. So you can see like they've got giant palm leaves and they've got colors and things are bright and, and that kind of thing. So I, and like this, this look, right. Maybe she's at a beach. Maybe she's bohemian. No idea. Right. So I want you to stand for something. Right. Jax needs to stand for something and it's not going to back down from what it stands for. And then mm-hmm. when we go to your Instagram, it's that same idea. I don't want you to back down. So I want your logo to be more of a statement, whether it's rainbow color or you or don't worry about your logo. I'm not saying change your logo, but your icon here, mm-hmm. you know, like something a little bit more bold. And then when I lived here, I actually did not know when I first went, I did not know that you were accessories. Mm, Okay. I had to scroll. I actually still didn't know exactly what I was looking at because there's a lot of women, which is fine, Mm -hmm. but we want to go to, we want to see accessories. There's so many different ways to approach building a product-based business. That's one of the reasons you're starting one in the first place, right? To do things the way you envision it. And you can be successful in a number of ways, but you have to be clear about what's most valuable to you and what is going to matter to your customers. Tisha wants a product that feels one of a kind, but the truth is that she could increase her production a hundred times and still retain the qualities that make her business unique. Now that she's believing that herself, let's start making a plan that'll get us to $5,000 a month. So we're cleaning a lot of this up. Now I want to dig into the what you're going to sell. Mm-hmm. So let's start with earrings. What of these do you feel the most aligned with that you were like, I could sell those all day, every day, or people really like them. And if I just put an effort, I could sell more of them. The beads and brass, which are the um, ones that have like the brass components that have the seed beads woven into them what else um and then i would say i'm trying to think if there's what about these waves yeah so the the coral splash ones yes those again kind of go along with the beads and brass okay um earrings and i actually have another pair that um i haven't put up on the site yet but it's the same it's a brass component and it has um like a ruffle uh kind of feel to it with seed beads so really the I guess the beads and brass ones are the ones that like a lot of people gravitate to. Do they buy the silver? Or they go more for the gold. Silver. They'll buy it too. Okay. And then you said the other thing that they buy are the potter. Yes, earrings. the potters, hands, and rings. And those, like the beads on those are actually hand rolled clay. So they're clay that I've hand rolled myself. 
And I usually do that and pair that with um, brass components. Okay. Um, putting together a board that kind of is going to make sense for saying like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of what I can be known for. Okay. So let's pretend that this is somewhat of a core collection or what you think people would know you for. So it's uh, metalwork. I would probably just say they're silver plated or gold plated. So I think the okay. brass component, they don't need to know what the internal metal is if they ask you can say that but i think they're either okay. silver plated or gold plated and then are the studs hypoallergenic they're i always use nickel free um studs mm-hmm. okay so this is these are these are things that are things that people like for me earrings really bug me so i have to wear real metals so i'm such mm-hmm. an expensive gift for my husband mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so i say now and so so they're nickel free i'll be like yes or no right away so that's like mm-hmm. for me it's mm-hmm. like an allergy to the metal right so it's costume jewelry metal work it's silver plated and gold plated nickel free studs and you said it's sea beads yeah so um bead work i would just say bead work because some of them have sea beads and then some of them have larger beads but bead list, work. what i want to do is i know they're beaded but i want to up level the materials so you said there's sea glass that you were using yeah so they're they're all check glass beads and are the sea beads also glass yes they're they're glass as well so you're using glass beads Mm -hmm. yeah i don't i don't like the plastic what we're doing here is we're looking at what tisha's best sellers are now what's interesting about this example is how do you identify your best sellers when you're selling one of a kind products? You look at a category, materials, style, all of the aspects of your products that make them unique. And you lean into the ones that are working. Let me say that again. You lean into the ones that are working. All right. So I'm going to show you a client of ours. So you can kind of just see. Larissa is out of Minnesota. She's in our mastermind for a long time. She does it all locally. So she Mm -hmm. has a studio. She has her jewelry makers. Um, I'm not sure Mm -hmm. what she's doing with like this kind of jewelry, if she's having a jewelry make it or if it's imported, but she's Mm -hmm. very kind of cheeky and like she, you know, she stands for things. So like when we were voting, like she, she dug into that. So there is Mm -hmm. like this younger I don't know if it's even though she's not millennial age, but kind of that sort of like, I'm going to stand up for stuff. I'm going to do stuff. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be seen and I'm going to be heard. And her mm-hmm. jewelry is like, you can actually almost like hear her jewelry. Yours might mm-hmm. be more seen. This is Larissa right here. Okay. So like she has like my, you know, like a my body bracelet, you know, like, mm-hmm. like she's like almost political in a lot of things right but right. she's a lot of jewelry and when you see her jewelry you know it's her jewelry so it's kind of the same thing as you like it's geometric her stones are actually i don't think that her stones are always real mm-hmm. um so it can be a little bit more costumey also and but it has a very specific look so like you know larissa right. loden or you, you know yeah yeah and you are a version of this kind of customer sort of so hers is very clean so like she actually has a store now but her store has like arches as the place where Mm -hmm. you hold the jewelry so it's that kind of trendy millennial arches 
situation. So mm-hmm. when I say that, it's like, this may not be, it's not necessarily you and it's not necessarily your customer because I see that you might have more of an eclectic, like maybe your person has like something from like a flea market in their house and right. things that they've collected on their travels and versus like, this is Larissa here in her store. And it's like that <laughs> clean, <laughs> right. um, oh my God, see, I told you it's like very different. It's like, <laughs> it's clean. It's got the arches. It's not the typical arch, but it's, I mean, she's wearing knives on her shirt. Right, right, right. But it's different. Very clean, but statement. (laughs) Clean, but statement. And Mm. and what she stands for. And she's a little bit more pop culture and stuff. But Mm. when you can create a statement and be known and be like, if I were to have a space, what would it look like? If she were to have a space, what would it look like? Your customer were to have a space. Um, they started, you would see a lot of their stuff in anthropology oftentimes. Um, yeah. And that was like one of the places that set them off. And then anthropology carries stuff. But like, if you go to their brand, it's really super expanded. So it's not a full anthropology, but anthropology people want to be seen and they travel and they're slightly more worldy and they want to feel eclectic. Yeah. See, I paint. So like if I had a storefront, like you would see art in my storefront along with my pieces. Great. Like, I love abstract art. I love it. So then I want you to create a mood board, paper mood board, a digital mood board, where maybe make that space. Make the space of what it would look like. Don't go get a space. Don't get so inspired that you... No, no, I'm not. I don't have any money for that. (laughs) But let's make the space. Because when you make the space and you know the person... You know, when they walk in, they're either going to be like, or even from the store window, they're either going to be like, I'm going to enter or I'm not going to enter. It's for me or it's not for me. We want to repel people. We want people that are like, you know what? I just want the regular hoops. Can you just make me metal hoops? Right. No, I can't go somewhere else for that. Mm -hmm. You come Mm -hmm. to me for this. So they come to you for metal work at least for right now, they're coming to you for like that glass bead. So there's like, I think it's that organic shape mixed with geometric. It's um, like you said, you like abstract. There's like an industrial element to it as well, at least to this, mm-hmm. at least to this collection. Okay. Yeah. A lot of my pieces, um, like, like I said, some of the pieces I don't have that are again, the metal and the beads, um, like a couple of them, like remind me of like a, a beaker in the chemistry um, or like a thermometer or something like that. So I have a couple of things. Okay. I love that. But thank you because I was kind of struggling with the, what am I known for? And trying to kind of hone in on a, this is what I'm known for. Yeah, I know. It's it's not easy, especially when you, when you're the creative. It's podcast recommendation time, and I am so excited to talk about one of my favorite shows right now, which is Imperfect Action, hosted by Steph Taylor, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Now, if you want marketing insights without the fluff, I'd love for you to tune in to this podcast. Now, there's an episode recently that I love, and it's called Stuck and Overthinking, Here's how to start taking imperfect action in your business. And this episode is a game changer. Steph unveils a four-step process to move past hurdles and just dive in. It's real actionable advice from a marketing 
Pro. So listen to Imperfect Action wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, hey, product boss. Okay, it's your product biz coach here, Jacqueline, and I have a treat for you. So the other day we got a message on Instagram from our friend Lolly. Now she's a product boss and she was on the hunt for an easy to use inventory management software to keep track of her raw goods and what she had ready to sell. And guess what? We had an answer for her. Not only did we have a fantastic inventory management software to refer her to, but we also had a whole treasure chest of 308 other business tools and resources to make her product-based business easier to manage and, and more efficient to grow. And we have it for you as well. Now picture this packaging and printing supplies, affiliate management, website and email software, legal resources, video and photo tools. Oh my, you name it. We've got it. And here's the cherry on top. It is totally free, right? It's not going to cost you a single penny. That's right, because you can get your hands on the Product Boss's Ultimate Resource Guide absolutely free. We are on a mission to change small businesses' lives and and their ability to grow around the world. And whatever we can do to help you do that, we are here for it. And so we're hoping that this resource guide is one step closer to reaching your dreams. So all you need to do is slide into our DMs on Instagram with the word guide and just send us that message and we will send you a link to download it right away. Or you can head straight to theproductboss.com slash resource guide. Easy peasy. Oh, and did I mention you can also DM us guide on Instagram and voila, we'll shoot you that link right away. So my friend, don't wait another second. You can get your hands on the ultimate resource guide for product bosses right now. Now let's jump back into the show. There are so many ways to grow your business while still holding on to what matters to you. And handmade businesses have some unique opportunities they can lean into. Okay. So based on that board, you can kind of see. And so when you're doing this, I want you to lean into statement jewelry. I want you to clean up your Instagram, but it starts to show exactly what you can be known for okay. and anything new that you add to it, you're going to start to add what we're talking about here. And even in your handmade jewelry made in Maryland founder. So even in that, it might be like, you may, may even want to think about like, what could you change the name to, so, or not the name, but like the, the bio part of it all. Mm-hmm where it's like jewelry to be seen or statement earrings. Like you could just be so practical and straightforward with what it is. So when somebody comes, they're like, oh, I buy statement earrings from her. And even in your highlights and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I want you to consider is when you, I want you to consider coming out with like collections. So if you had launched this collection, I'm like, oh, hey, that's what she's doing this this season or launch this collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talk about what's happening here where I see the fill-ins that need to happen are versions of earrings. So whether if these are some of your best sellers or something, you just change the color to make sense with the colors that you're doing for the season. Right. You don't mm-hmm. have to reinvent the earring. It's just. Right. Just change the color scheme. Change the colors. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to try some more of the potter's hands in like whatever you want your theme to be, which feels like there's like blacks with the peachy coral. Mm-hmm. Um, the neutral, and you could think about the the potter's hands of like the juxtaposition between the colors, right? So mm-hmm. maybe it has a bright yellow in it, but it still gears towards the browns. I'm not going to tell you a design because you have a good handle yeah, yeah. on that. Um, 
And then I look at this and I'm like, oh, that's her fall collection. So I bought your summer earrings and they're big and they're statement. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. you also have something that I need in the fall that makes so much sense mm-hmm. for me. I'm like, oh yeah, thank you for coming out with your version of earrings again for me in the fall. And I get to wear that new neutral color palette in the fall, let's say. Right. That makes sense. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to be like, I'm going to create this for those women. And then they're going to be like, thank you that you had me in the spring. Thank you that you had me in the summer. Thanks. You had me in the fall and same with the winter. Um, And then I'm like, and it's always answering a desire that I have like farm Rio. I always love farm Rio. And I'm like, thank you for coming out with an entire ski outfit for me, you know, or snow boots in the farm Rio essence. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've covered marketing and branding and positioning, right? But what about the original problem Tisha was facing? Getting customers to buy her product. Don't worry, we're getting into that next. So you can kind of see collections. I know we've talked a lot about that, but this is all really important because this is part of the conversion problem. Right. And now we're going to get into kind of the meat and potatoes of that part. So the fastest thing I can do with you right now first is the pricing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, do you know how to price? Is that your question? Or I guess for me, my problem is I don't know how much to charge for my labor. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot so of sense. I'm like, I'm good. Materials is clear, you know, and then you do the, the, um, you multiply by whatever the differentiators are, but how much my time is worth. I, I'm not sure. Well, your time is worth a lot. So, but we need to calculate as if it wasn't your time. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the thing. So this is, this is me opening it on sheets, but this is more or less what like a cost sheet looks like. Mm-hmm. We walk you through it in multi-stream machines. So you can go look. And then for you, this would just be, um, you know, like all of this would change. Right. Cause it's um not fabric kind of thing. So right. labor is something that you would decide if this were a production of some, if I were to hire someone in to come do this, what would my expectation be that they can make X amount of earrings per hour or complete a task per hour? So tell me the process of one of your, think think of one of the products, like a bestseller or something you're thinking of bringing forward and tell me the process mm-hmm. of making it. Let's pick just one earring that we understand the labor okay. steps in. Okay. Um, so we picked the, like the concentric earrings. Okay. Um, so, so concentric me, earrings, you, mm-hmm. you're going to make another pair for this next season. And mm-hmm. do you weld any of the metal or the metal already comes looking like that? The metal already comes looking like that. So I don't weld any of the metal. So you just, um, you're have, applying the beads and the wire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the steps would then be is to pick out the beads. Let's say the design is done. Let's say you have you yourself did the very first one, you did the concentric in yellow. And then you had someone come in and you wanted them to make 20 concentrics Mm -hmm. in in yellow. Would they, they'd first have to pick the beads out and put them in the order, right? Or at least have the beads there. And then are they beating the outer metal and then wiring it on? Or like what? Yeah, so so the inner part of it is actually like sewn beads sewn on and then the outer part is wire wrapping beads on okay 
So steps that I would say would be one would be getting the materials mm-hmm. in order, whether they're picking beads out of whatever, or they have like a bead tray and they, they have yeah, it lined have up. A bead the wall. You have a bead wall. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then let's say this person came in and the first step that they did was they did the, what do you do first? The outside wire or the sewing? Do the sewing on the inside first. The okay. outside wire is the second part. So step two is sewing. Mm-hmm. And step three is wire. So let's imagine there's two people working for you. One person gets it. They're both responsible for laying out their beads, but one person gets it and they do all the, they do 20 of them sewn and then they pass it to the next person and they do the wire wrapping. One person's an expert at sewing. One person's an expert at wire wrapping. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I were to ask you for the sewing, and I know you're more of an expert at this, if you were only doing one thing where you were, the beads were there, you're picking them, you're stringing them and you're sewing, how many sets of earrings could you get done in an hour? Um, I would say the sewing probably would take like five minutes per earring. Um, earring or a set? Per, per earring. Earring, okay. So five minutes per earring. So a set would be 10 minutes. 10 minutes. To do the sewing for one pair of earrings. Okay. Um, so, so we can get six done in an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what would you say for the wire? The wire is pretty much about the same. Okay. Is there anything else they have to do? Just the finishing. So applying the um the earring post. How long does that take? It shouldn't take more than a minute if everything is already laid out. Okay. So could they get 60 done in an hour? Or let's say it takes them two minutes so they can get 30 done in an hour. So they do six of the others and 30 in those. Okay. Then what is the minimum wage of where you live? Um, it's thirteen seventy five. Okay. So if, if you were to go make a job offer to somebody to come work for you as a jewelry company and work for you and bead and lear- learn a skill, whether it's the sewing or the wire wrapping, what do you think you could hire them for per hour? I don't know. I mean, I but, guess the minimum wage would be the lowest I would go. Totally. But, but what do you think? What is the going rate of somebody? Let's say you have another mom friend who wants like a side hustle during the day. Would she want 15 an hour? Would she be cool with minimum wage? Would she want 20 an hour? What do you think like you could get someone in for? Knowing where you Yeah, are? if she's doing it for like a side hustle, then I would say probably $20 an hour. Okay. So let's just price your labor at $20 an hour. Okay expensive for labor you could probably go cheaper but you're choosing to do this in america right and handmade so now when you say you can go cheaper like what i mean i guess what is like an average i think if you were to do if you were eventually going to be like a chan lu and you were to hire a bunch of people that you just trained to do labor skills you probably could hire them for 15 dollars an hour okay okay maybe not minimum wage it just depends like here in LA now, I think the minimum wage is $17 an hour. So that's the problem with manufacturing. Like they still, let's say you, we could still only get six earrings done an hour. Then it just raises the price, right? Because they can't possibly make more. And when you pay people per piece, so there's also piecework, it still has to equal minimum wage. Right. So for example, for you, I'm just going to go off the minimum wage. So 13, let's say we went for the cheapest, 1375 divide that by six. So it's $2.30 an earring. 
So mm-hmm. let's say you had a mom friend. You could say, I'm going to pay not an earring, a set. So let's say you had a friend or somebody you knew and you're like, I will pay you $2.30 for every set you sew the beads on for. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you could make it an even $5 and say, I'll pay you five bucks for every earring you complete. Right. They've beaded it. They've mm-hmm. um, sewn it on. They've done the wire wrapping and they've put mm-hmm. the post on. That mm-hmm. would, if we multiplied that out, that would equal minimum wage of $13.75. Okay. Because legally you can't under, you can't say, tell someone I'm going to pay you 50 cents per piece, but it takes her 10 minutes in an hour. Mm-hmm. They won't ever be able to make minimum minimum wage. Right. That makes sense. Okay. So I'm going to say then if it's 230 plus the post, that's what I'm going to say five bucks. So your okay. labor, if we want to go minimum wage on this, is five dollars that you have you have allotted for labor at, at minimum wage. If we were at twenty dollars, I'm just gonna tell you twenty dollars divide that by six sets, it's three dollars and thirty cents. So it's an it's an additional dollar per component. So it actually would be more like $7. So if we paid someone $20 an hour, it would cost you about $7 per earring to complete. So wire wrapping, of five. sewing posts, or yeah. So listen, you could, because if someone's faster than you, they mm-hmm. can make more money. So mm-hmm. $5 could be a good number that we set it at and see, like, cause you could eventually teach someone a trade and be like, they're just doing those earrings with the wire wrapping and the sewing how mm-hmm. many can they get done per hour? They might get even faster than you. Right. Because right. you're coming up with the ideas. Mm-hmm. So if you get to sit there and you make, you design, you make the ideas, you make the first one and you write the recipe, like you write down mm-hmm. the instructions of how it's made. This is the components. This is what you need to make it. You need 12 beads, all the, the that information. Right. Right. You pass it over to someone. She comes and picks up all the beads and the whatever, and she makes them. She gives you 20 of them. You hand her a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So where this is hard for you is I know your time is not worth $5. Okay. So what we're doing is we're not pricing you. Mm-hmm. We're pricing the labor for the earrings. So where you make the money is the profit. So if it costs you X amount for beads, X amount for materials, X amount for labor, and if it goes in a card or a box or packaging, and then you mark it up correctly. So where you were going with it, I would multiply it by Let's say total cost was 10 bucks. I would multiply it by 2.2. So it'd be 22 wholesale. And then I would mark the the 22 dollars up also, right? Let's call it 2.2 or 2.3. I'll go 2.3 for you. So if it, if your cost was 10, your wholesale would be 22 and your retail would be around $50, 50 to $52. Okay. If you have margin to go higher, go higher. If you're like, oh, there's 50 bucks, but I can actually sell it for 75. Sell it for 75 and raise your um, wholesale. You do not need to. That's just your bare minimum for the profitability. So where your money is made as the business owner is that difference between the cost. It costs you $10 to make that earring. But -hmm. when you sell it, you're either making an additional $12 if you were selling it wholesale. Or if you're making 50, you're actually making $40. And that's right. what pays you a salary. That's what pays you fifty thousand or hundred thousand dollars salary. That's what pays for materials. That's what keeps the lights on. That's the money that goes into running the business, having profit, saving it, taxes, and also um, payrolls. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 
So I want you to pay yourself and I want you to pay yourself more, but you, you are worth your worth and you're more expensive than what we can put into the product. So if we sell the product, you're going to pay yourself $13 and 75 cents. When I say you're going to pay it, you're going to account for labor of either $5 and a set. And then you're going to account for labor of that. So the payment to that is like, okay, I make this technically it's, I should be making $5 from it. If the company was paying Mm -hmm. you, but then this, so that's for that job component of your business. But then if you're running it like CEO, then the CEO component gets paid a different amount of money. Right. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Questions around that? No, no questions. That makes sense. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was the part that I was stuck at with the whole labor because I felt like I was like, just kind of guesstimating. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you are. So I think that's a good way to position it. And then what the goal could be too, is if you think that they're going to be faster, you hire someone Mm -hmm. and you're paying them $5, whatever, that's piece per piece, or you hire someone by the hour Mm -hmm. and you see, can they get more done? They might not, right? They might get, people might actually take, longer if it's by the hour because they're like well you told me to make 20 and it took me 17 hours right versus if you're like the more pieces you make the more money you're going to make right 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 okay the second topic so that was the third topic the second thing you said how to grow without compromising too much on my unique selling point of one of a kind small batch pieces so it was a long way of getting i think we talked about that you feel clearer on that yeah yeah yeah. we talked about that yeah and like your analogy made sense you know, so you're not compromising people in the world. Yeah. You're not compromising. You want to make $5,000 a month. So if we go back to what you said, and this is where we're going to get into the numbers, you said $80 is your average order value. So if we mm-hmm. want to make $5,000 and we're going to divide that by 80, you need to make about 63 sales a month at $80 average order value. Okay. Okay. So if, a pair of earrings is closer to that. Your geometric circles are, your waves are, or the color splash, whatever that one's called. Mm-hmm. The orange hoop delight is only in the 30s. So they'd have to buy two pieces from me, right. more than two pieces, almost three pieces. So some of these pieces, like your potter's hands, maybe we can raise the price on them mm-hmm. a little bit. And then we want to think about, because then we're going to see like when people do start to order what the average order value is. And is it in order to get to 80, that means they are either buying one more expensive pair or they're buying a couple of things. Right. Your bracelets are 65. So yeah. Okay. So I would love for, let's see if you have it. And I'm not expecting to like make $5,000 next month, but totally. Just, that's like, just you know, break, yeah. end goal. <laughs> But but that's why I want to break it down. So let's divide that by 63 orders at $80 or average order value by four weeks. That means you have to sell about 15 to 16. You need 15 to 16 a week that you sell, 15 to 16 orders a week. So it's about two a day. Okay. So when we break that down into that, well, it feels overwhelming for someone who doesn't make a sale every month. But then we're like, okay, 62. Okay, that's about, let's just round down, 15 orders a week. That's about two a day. What do I need to do to make two sales a day? Mm-hmm. So that's a backwards way of working into it. The next thing is, is if you talk about everything once, no one's going to see it. No one's going to know about it. So if you have your new collection coming out or whatever you really want to sell right now, you got to talk about it 
a lot. It needs to be in a lot of places. If you're doing something for Fashion Week and you're getting professional photos, then the same stuff that's coming from Fashion Week needs to be everywhere. It needs to constantly be on your social. You need to be talking about it on your social. It needs to be um, the images that I see when I land on your website. Mm -hmm. Um, That everywhere I look, I get that Jack's Designs is selling this right now. It's your editorial pieces. It's and that's usually what people put in fashion shows. So what we want is we want them to see the glass bead geometric circles and then everywhere they look and they're like, oh, that's a Jax Carter design. That's a Jax Carter design. Mm. You know? Okay. And so once you hit it, don't stop hitting it. And you're gonna have campaigns and periods of time where you're gonna you're gonna lead up to it. You're going to drop the information about it and you're going to keep talking about it. So for you, when you do do this effort and you put in the effort of figuring out what the product is and you know what your collection is going to look like, I want it to be everywhere I look. It's so clear. That's what you're selling right now. And that's what you want me to buy. And that way you don't feel like you're wasting your time and energy. Like I'm going to talk about this one earring, but I have only one of them. It's going to sell out. Maybe you go into, you can always make more if you sell them. So maybe you switch from the idea of one of a kind pieces, which it doesn't really say it anywhere anyways. And Mm -hmm. it's more of that you can just keep talking about the same product for a while and see if people Mm -hmm. are picking up what you're putting down and like they're interested in it. You bring them in on the making, you bring them in on all of it. Right. That makes sense. We've been laying the groundwork for a while, but now we're getting to the real problem that's holding Tisha back, getting her customers to convert into sales. Everything we've talked about so far has been working towards this. How can we get Jax Carter to making $5,000 a month? To get you to convert, you have the images, you have the pictures. Social media is not ideal. When you do make them maybe one sale a month, are they buying off your website? Like, How did they find you and how is that happening? It's usually they're buying off my website. Um, and you know so where they came from? Either someone sent them there. So like a, like a, someone who's bought from me before or just like the random people that I'm are familiar with. It, it looks like organic search. So word of mouth, organic search. But then you told me you sold about $800 in person. Yes. Okay. How was that for you? Uh, that was a good experience. I did um, this thing called the Pink Event. It was for um, like a nonprofit organization for breast cancer awareness. And they actually actually was in an ideal location because I was at the table as soon as you walked in the door. So <laughs> you had to walk past me before you got anywhere else. That's so funny. <laughs> but it was, it was good. I mean, a, a lot of people had a lot of interest in the products. Um, being able to see them, but I didn't, I mean, I didn't get any, any follow-up sales from, from the event. Okay. So if you can find, especially moving to the holidays, if you can find other in-person shows you can go to that would have your ideal customer at it. So not just like a random farmer's market where nobody's looking to spend 80 to a hundred dollars on an earring, mm-hmm. but whether it's like a fashion e-type market we're going to come into like holiday sales sometimes churches have you know like gift shows it's kind of like the gift shows or if you go into dc or new york like if there's like a unique la event or a unique 
renegade craft fair. Like you need to go to where people are looking that the the right people are walking in. So maybe not the Lara Salodin hipster, but you know, where is she? Is she at a market? Because if those work and you can find the right place and these are a test and try, you'll at least get that like immediate data. And I want you to have more than just one so that if it's selling that you have more to sell. Mm-hmm. Right. So in person to me, sounds like that would be a quick way to test and try and, and make money. The other thing I think for you that if you are able to make stock, I think wholesale, if you have the margin, would be interesting for you to try. How do you feel about wholesale? Um, I'm actually not averse to it. Again, I was always apprehensive because of the amount of inventory that I have per piece. Um, and that's funny because I actually was, I actually did a conference call earlier this week with a um, wholesale uh, company called Mercado. Oh, yeah. They're actually um, up and coming. And so I actually talked with them um, as far as being a, a brand on their platform. Okay. I think they're probably similar to, a, I think they're kind of similar to bear.com. Mm-hmm. There's also bulletin.co. So if you can find, there's two ways I want you to approach this because you're in multi-stream machine, you go watch the wholesale module. One, let's start with pricing. Okay. So one, if you bring your labor down and am I off like your glass beads and all that, did they cost how much money? Do you know how much everything else costs? Um, I would say probably no more than five, like $5. Total for the rest of the set? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's pretty close on the 10. Mm-hmm. So you're, I think you're accurately priced okay. more or less go through the pieces that you're going to go into. That's why also that necklace is like, that's a lot of labor. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's your labor. So you wouldn't charge it the same way as like a minimum mm-hmm. wage type thing. Like it would be like, Hey, mm-hmm. this is a piece from the designer with our own two hands right? kind of thing. So I do think if you can find some other brands that are similar to your aesthetic and your customer base, you could either go swipe their stockist list. So mm-hmm. what that means is I'll, some people, and I teach this in multi-stream machine, will have like, you can find us in these stores. Mm-hmm. And then you could actually approach those stores. You can do what I teach you, call, have a line sheet and see if they mm-hmm. want to sell. You can go to some of the, like, if there's any local boutiques that are like fashion-based or there's even like West Elm, like the furniture store West Elm. Yeah, no, no West Elm. At the holidays, and they're actually, that's probably a, a kind of an aligned market. At the holidays, they'll actually support local companies and have like, okay. you could set up a table there. J. Crew does the same thing. Yeah, so you can always go in and just ch- talk to the store manager and be like, hey, I'm a local jewelry mm-hmm. business. Do you all, do you ever do trunk shows or pop ups during the holiday season supporting local businesses? They don't necessarily buy for the store, but if they're local and you're and you're not in like a heavily saturated fashion market, like meaning like right. there's not all these designers everywhere, there's all sorts of stuff you can do. So right. those are some of the fastest ways I say I think you could get in front of real people. It's okay. either collaborating with some local stores, local boutiques, doing pop-ups there, hair salons, and wholesale, you could try for that as well. But first okay. go through the MSM module so that you build out a line sheet that you know your price correctly. So you only wholesale the products you know you've got a good margin on. You can still okay. sell stuff on your website. You don't sell 
wholesale. Right. So that would be some of my plan for you for the fall winter is to create those opportunities, create some real in life, in real life opportunities. Okay. And if you feel like you want to sell full sale, you can try that as well. Okay. Okay. So they're just two sort of like, for me, the easiest things you can do. Because the hardest thing to do is going to get is to be using Instagram to try and convert people to customers. Yeah. And that's kind of what I've been kind of focusing on. It's the hardest. Social media marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Social media is important, but too many small business owners put all of their energy into social media without seeing the kind of results they need. We've just gone over so many different ideas on how to get Tisha's products seen. Don't limit yourself to Instagram. So those things I want you to do, I want you to still use fashion week, but I want you to start, I want you to use social media to hype yourself up. Mm -hmm. I want you to talk more about what you're making. I I want you to kind of shift it to more Chanlu looking so you can go in and delete stuff. And then with your influencers that you've worked with or you have worked with in the past. So maybe you find, start to find some customers and you can just reach out to them or not customers, influencers that you could reach out to that actually know how to sell and make money. So I'm going to send you this influencer following type system. And then you can just okay. find 10 people that you're going to more or less stock. You're going to comment like, like real things on their social. You're going to say, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like that's so amazing. And then eventually you can make the ask and you can go for people that have like 10,000 to under 50,000 followers. Okay. Those people have the smallest group of people that are willing to buy. When we get into the 100,000, all that, it's a little bit more general. And if they have a like to know it or something like that, they know how to sell. So the fastest way for you to start making sales, I think what you've proven is in person. Mm-hmm. I think social media is fine, but you're going to probably need to do more stories and more making and more shareability stuff. So stuff that resonates with them, like the same way that Larissa Loden does Mean Girls. There might mm-hmm. need to be other content on there that's shareable, but I actually don't want you to lean into social as your way that you think that you're going to sell because okay. you are in multi-stream machine. We need to get like, so your website's going to exist mm-hmm. and it's going to be there. And as you start to maybe work with influencers or get in front of other people and it's truly about being known for something and it's really clear and they're like, I know what I'm going to buy from her. Their statement earrings go to her for that. Mm-hmm. But I think for you, wholesale is a very quick and good way for you to do this. And okay. in-person partnerships, in-person shows, in-person collaborations. I think if you add those two things in and then you build your email list and you start to get out there, really like you're out there and your products are out there, that's going to have more of an ROI on front facing than okay. the fashion show. Yeah, that makes sense. I love this. This call has been packed with information. Now let's get really tangible and break it down into next steps. So any questions around any of this other than all the questions? No, I guess, I mean, no, no, not questions, so to speak, but I guess kind of like, so next steps from today, like what should be the first thing to focus on? I'm going to create a plan for you. Okay. But for you to jump off this call and say next steps is first, I want you to figure out the, what are you selling over the next four months? Okay. So September, October, November, December, what is the collection going to be? 
Do you need to design it from scratch? No, you've got a lot of stuff for New York. Or you might say, you know, I'm going to bring back the concentric circles, but I'm going to just make them in these colors. Yeah. Or there's past stuff that you've already sold out of that you know people really liked that you may be bringing that style in, but make it in the colors. Yeah, different color scheme. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for sure, I want you to kind of think about what am I selling over the next four months? I want you to double check your price points on only those, on the things that you're going to sell. So pricing, that. I'm going to give you an audit on those and whatever changes you can make on the sooner side, the better. Just so it feels clean and clear. If you're priced correctly, then you'll come up with your wholesale price. You need photos and stuff to be able to sell at wholesale. So there's that. You could start with just making a few outreaches and saying like, okay, let's say I want to do at least two live events per month. Just look at your range of where you're willing to go and what's happening in the winter. So are there renegades? Is there, you know, there's New York now. Is there um, gift shows? Are there churches or temples that are doing stuff for the holidays? Like where could you be? And you're going to go kind of like into research mode on that, as well mm-hmm. as thinking about where you shop or your towns. Is there a hair salon you can go out, go in and reach out to? Is there a um, a cute boutique that you're like, oh, my ideal customer shops at a place like this? Not necessarily anthropology, but like a, a mm-hmm. boutique owned by people. And I want you to first do your research on that. And then you can think about contacting them when you kind of know what your collection is going to look like. Because they're going to be like, well, show me what you sell. Right. So go to your research on the who they are, where it is, start to think like, oh, this would be interesting for me. And then when you kind of gathered your stuff of what your collection is going to look like, maybe you create a line sheet, then you can approach them and say, hey, I'm a local designer. I have really cool statement pieces for women who want to be seen. Not really cool. You'll come up with a better like pitch. Um, <laughs> we've been seen in like New York Fashion Week, Miami Swim Week, like because this is the clout stuff, right? Um, we have mm-hmm. influencers that wear it and we're starting to want to like grow and get into stores and stuff like that. Would you want to collaborate and do something over the, you know, this time? And oh. they would bring in the customers and you would probably do a split. Like if you did it, it'd either be like a 50, 50 split, like consignment, or you would get 60, they would get 40. Mm-hmm. Usually you shouldn't get less than 50% of the split. Okay. Um, and it would either be a pop-up shop, it would be a trunk show, or it'd be consignment. And so if you know that you're going to test out getting in front of customers and we have at least two conversion events a month, some of them are going to be a hit, some of them are going to be a miss, but you're going to learn from every single one. And if you are able to build your email list when you're there, oh, hey, join our email list. Like then, you know, we have some stuff that I didn't bring in or I'll shoot you an email about this or let me mm-hmm. give you a 20% off coupon. Grow your email list everywhere you go, no matter who you meet. So that way, when your site is also going to be a conversion point, because you'll start to email people. We want to do email marketing when you Mm -hmm. have something to sell. You have like new collection drop and then like featuring this earring and you'll go through the whole process and then you'll at least remind them to come shop from you online. So even if you don't make a sale, if you can grow your list Mm -hmm. when you're at these events and you're going to learn, oh, that's my customer. That's not my customer. This worked. This didn't work. But I know that what you've said is if you're in person with people, you could probably make sales. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think just the people being able to actually see and touch it. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit different than you buy something online. You don't really know exactly what to expect when you get it. 
And we're also coming to Breast Cancer Awareness Month again and things like that. So try and do that event again. Do There's a lot of like events where people are looking for brands to be there that are going to, they do those pop-up events and then you give a certain percentage to the charity. So that's where I think for you right now, it's to make the opportunities happen for you. I think when you bring the the products and it's going to be really clear on who the customer is, they're going to either be repelled or attracted to your booth. Mm-hmm. You're going to make sure you're priced correctly. You're going to have more than one. There can be one of a kind. You'd be like, these are one of a kind. Like they're nowhere else. They're right. more expensive. And then, yeah. And then I think the wholesale part and you reach out to people to come buy from you. And I think those are going to be some of the things that are going to start to snowball it for you. Okay. So a goal for you is in the next, let's say like two weeks, I want you to try and make at least one sale a week. Okay. So you may bring up some product and start talking about the product all day, every day, like posting about it. So it's the concentric earrings, like they're the most popular. These are flying off the shelves or these wrap bracelets. And maybe you feature wrap bracelets and you're constantly showing like the wrap bracelets. And there's a hefty amount of content. If you can get focused and create content, reach out to people via email. You can contact some of people that have bought from you in the past and be like, Hey, I know you bought this. I have, I have one of these. I think it would like suit you really well. You know, like there's a lot of things you can think to do that are creative for outreach. And I want to challenge you to see if you can sell, make an order this week and make an order next week. Get an order. Okay. You Um, feel clearer than when we started? I do. I feel like I have more of a direction and I do. Again, like the idea of just having things that I'm known for and things that I know I can easily repeat. And so I have the actions for like the concentric earrings and the wrap bracelets. As far as the pricing is concerned and the labor, like that part is what I was stuck on as well. So I have a better understanding for that also. What are you excited about trying out or doing next? Um. I have not been consistent with basically repeating information. And I, it's like, you know, it as a consumer, but you don't think about it when you're trying to sell. And so being able to like highlight the information for the wrap bracelet, I think I am definitely going to use that. Um, especially since I already have some content, um, around that, that I can reuse, um, and post and be able to create new content with some of the ideas. That, that would be easy for me to put together, especially over this weekend. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm excited for you because we get so overwhelmed. How you were going about it was making so many things that not only mm-hmm. is your brain distracted by making all the things, and it's like, hey, I did this. Okay, but I did this. And so even your customer doesn't know what you're doing because there's how often do we see each other on social media? Like it's whenever they decide to put it in front of that person. So, um, so I'm excited for you because the more consistent you are, the more every time I see Jack's, you know, Carter designs on Instagram, I'm like, oh, there's the wrap bracelet again. Oh, there's another wrap bracelet. <laughs> oh, Jack's and wrap bracelets. And right. then it'll, cause it'll start to, for me like, as a visual or as a potential customer, it'll start to come together. So we think when we do something once it's enough, but it'll be so much easier for you to stay focused because you'll be like, this is what I sell now. This is what I'm making. And this is what I'm talking about. And then you're like, oh, I feel like going on Instagram today. What am I talking about? Wrap bracelets, you know, or yeah. a big statement earring that I'm selling. It's, 
not as overwhelming. And that, that made me think my daughter just walked in here. And my daughter like comes in the area where I do all my work and stuff. She's like, mommy, why do you have all this stuff everywhere? You're always starting something and then you start something else before you finish the other thing. Because it's like all of these ideas in my head. <laughs> oh, these kids mirrors back to us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm glad. Yeah, my daughter goes, Mom, do you think you have too many cheat days? And I was like, shh. Right. But eat the ice cream. No one asked you. Nobody asked, but yes, you were correct. <laughs> um, Good. So now she's going to be like, oh, Mommy, you're making those earrings again. Good job. Yay, yes. <laughs> you're focused on one yeah. thing. I know it can be frustrating when you know you have a good product. You're starting to see some traction but you're just not seeing the sales you want to. We've covered a lot in this coaching call, but when you think about it, most of what we discussed was about simplifying, getting clarity, and doing more of what works. The same principles we applied to Tisha's business can work in yours as well. So let's get out there and make it happen, product bosses. You can do it, and I believe in you. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts, and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us.